Welcome again to one of the short Food Street podcasts, which Jonathan Strawn and I have been doing since March now, since the world first began to part. This is Gary Wolf, and today I'm absolutely delighted to be able to talk to uh, Carl Brandon and Tiptree Award-winning author, playwright, director, uh, professor, Andrea Hairston. Uh, so welcome to the podcast, Andrea. Hi, how are you? I'm, I'm fine. I just, it just occurred to me I introduced you as a Tiptree Award winner, which you are, but do you change the name of the award retroactively? Yeah, it's the Otherwise Award. It's now the Otherwise Award. So. But, you, but, but it, I bet on your awards, you're not going to scratch out Tiptree and write an Otherwise on physical award, though. Oh, on the physical award? No, no, no. It's no. Yeah, it's there. So I have it. Um, but yeah, in terms of like promotions, I'm I'm calling it the Otherwise Award because it was formerly something else. Right. And now this is what it is now. So. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. And so I know you've been uh, back to your professorial work and teaching theater and that sort of thing, which is probably consuming a lot of your time. But over the period of the last, well, the whole summer, so it's kind of appalling. Yeah. But I guess the question is, were you well, one of these people that just was able to get all this catch-up reading done? Uh, what were you reading? What have you been reading? Well, I reading is necessary that's the best way i can put it uh-huh. i you know it sustains me um so i plunge into like big fat things in the summer and i i could do that this summer um and i also i mean i one of the books that i've been trying to read um is the age of surveillance capitalism uh, by shoshana zuboff and it's an you know an examination of you know, technology and tech giants like Google and Amazon and oh. Facebook and how they, you know, grab our data and our behavioral surplus and turn it into big data and into power and profits and how they use it. Um, and it's this huge book. It's like an epic fantasy or an epic <laughs> horror. <laughs> and so it feels like epic horror. And I got to the middle of it um, while I was teaching and I went, I, I can't do this. So I, I picked it back up again uh, this summer. So that was great. And I also read um, uh, a few epic fantasies, too, to counter the, the sort of epic horror of, of <laughs> yeah. our real lives. Um, so I um, read, um, uh, oh, I don't quite know how to say the name, but S.A. Chakra Bordy. Um, she has written uh, The City of Brass, The Kingdom of Copper. So I got those two read right. this summer. And then I have, I'm looking across the room at the Empire of Gold. So it's another big, fat, um, juicy book that I'm looking forward to reading. Um, and I, I also read, um, uh, R.F. Kwong's book. Um, uh, so, and then I, I'm now looking at, uh, The Dragon Republic, which is the second book. So I got a chance to plunge into these really, um, luscious, um, you know, amazingly well researched, <laughs> yeah. um, deeply, um, intriguing and mysterious and, and, you know, all the things that you want from fantasy. Um, and, you know, and then these incredible plots with, you know, 50 million characters who are all, um, you know, imperfect and problematic and charismatic and engaging. So, um, I had fun doing that. Um, and I read, Right. Um, the, the, the most recent, I just finished, um, uh, the book of saints, 
um, the Book of Lawsuit um, by Daniel Jose Older. And that was not like any of those books I just mentioned. And uh-huh. it was just, you know, uh, amazing. So, because um, uh, uh, Daniel, like, uh, used uh, a Guan Wan Po, um, you know, so he used, like, music um, in the in the sort of shaping of the storytelling and the characters. Um, so uh, he has like a family, you know, um, story and, um, there's a spirit who's trying to solve the mystery of her death. Um, and she's trying to figure out like, how did she die? And so she has to come and spook her nephew into oh. becoming whole in order to figure out her mystery. So it's this really interesting, um, uh, you know, combination of several genres. Um, you know, trying to solve a mystery as a ghost in a spiritual context. So it's very, it sounds absolutely charming, actually. Yeah. A little spooky in a way, also. Yeah, it was very, it was spooky. And, uh, you know, or there's, um, the the character ghost that's haunting the nephew. They're very different. So you've got these two, like, different time periods, uh, different genders. different attitudes, you know, um, sort of colliding in the story in a wonderful way. So, um, really enjoyed that. Sounds like, well, do you have things that you recommend for people as, as kind of comfort reading? It sounds actually like the, the, the older novel might just be a lot of fun just for fun. I mean, uh, and, and that's one of the things that always strikes me about uh, especially large-scale fantasies, is that if they're not fun, they can become a lot of work. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the Kingdom of Copper and the City of Brass, lots of fun. Um, yeah. But the older book is lots of fun as well. Um, and the other book that I read um, in the, this period was Nine Bar Blues by Cherie Renee Thomas. And what's really fun about that is that these, this is a collection of short stories. Yeah. So whatever whatever mood you're in, there's a short story in the book for it. Um, and again, and she also uses you know the musicality, the blues, uh, you know, so... Each, it's like a blues riff, and and, and yeah. you know uh, the thing about the blues is it's like it's what you do when things are hard. You sing the blues, so and you feel better afterwards. So that's how the stories work. They it's, it's a clever title, also. It's one of those titles that I, makes me wonder if people who don't know the structure of the blues ah. knows what nine bar would mean. Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. That's you're right. Um, well, ooh, so kind of an inside. Reference or an inside joke, I guess. Well, I, you know, if you're if you're like people who aren't musicians, I think um, uh, would would just think of it as like how many you know I don't know repeating phrases or something. You know, I, yeah, I don't think would, for those who are musicians would have another take on it. So again, what I like about Sheree's writing is that that's what the stories do. Depending on where you enter, you right. have an experience with the story. Um, and so if you're in a, a blues aficionado, there's so much for you. And if you're not, there's so much for you. So I think, um, it's, and she's like a blues mus- musician with words. Uh-huh. So, uh, it's, you know, she just makes you feel good, you know, while you go. And she's also does horror. She also, um, has like wild things happening that you go, Oh my God. Um, <laughs> and, but, but there's short pieces too. So, um, you know, sometimes when you're reading like a big fat fantasy book, you, you, like you said, it's work and you have to like commit yourself to, I'm now going to read 600 pages. Right. Um, 
Whereas with Sheree, you can have the experience of a fat fantasy book um, in a in a like she has a couple of novellas in there, or you know, or novelettes, yeah. and you can get that sweep of like, oh my god, this lush landscape with these intense characters um, in thirty pages. Um, so I would I would definitely recommend that or Mama's Last Hug, um, which is Franz Duvall, um, and it's about animal emotion. Really? And yes, it's about, I mean, he wrote, well, the, there are two books. One is, Are We Smart Enough to Know How Smart Animals Are? Um, that's about animal intelligence. And then he wrote, um, Mama's Last Hug, which is about animal emotion. Um, oh. and they're just delightful. Um, cause he's a great storyteller, um, and a scientist. So he gives you the stories of creatures and scientists. And our interactions and our, you know, our developments in terms of what we think about them, um, and why we think what we think about them. So, um, and you can go online and, and see Mama's Last Hug because, uh, it, there's, a, if you type in Mama's Last Hug, you'll get a video of yeah. this chimpanzee who they called Mama, who gives a hug to, um, one of her favorite humans as she is, she's very old and she's about to die and she's mm-hmm. not particularly interested in anybody else but this guy comes in and she has loved him for this is one of her friends and so they have this moment that is like unbelievable (laughs) you know and you know and and he's going yo 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 to her and she's doing that to him um it's yeah just google mama's last hug and you'll see the little video i'm gonna do that as soon as we're done yeah um and so that book is delightful in terms of um you know, how do we come to have our emotions? Right. And, you know, as, you know, part of the, you know, we are of the animals. We are not separate from them is Duvall's big point. I mean, you know, they're not the same as us. We don't really know what those emotions are, but we didn't just spring up all of a sudden and have emotions and and nothing else has right. them. Emotions um, have some evolutionary meaning. Um, yeah, right. And so he's, you know, and why we have them and what, um, you know, social um, behavior and emotions and, and thinking and emotions and all of those things. So it's a, it's a very interesting book. It challenges us to reconsider um, who we might think we are as well as who we think animals are. It's fascinating. Um, the, the, the third thing we want to talk about, though, and I know you have a, a, an exciting novel. I guess it's out already. Yes, yes. Uh, the, my novel, Master of Poison, uh, came out last week, actually. Um, so that, uh, yeah. Well, congratulations. That's, Although having a book yeah. launch, I've talked to several people, having a book launch with no place to go and no stores that are open must feel odd. Well, I'm doing a virtual tour. So last night I was in Atlanta. Oh, excellent. <laughs> All right. Um, and next week I will be in Northampton. Um, so, um, I'm, you know, uh, doing Zoom and, uh, lots of, uh, panels and conversations so uh, i'm trying to use the virtual um uh you know let's beam ourselves into your living room um and um it's been interesting um in my local bookstore i went down and signed books so people come to the reading of the uh, broadside books we'll send them a signed copy Mm -hmm. of the book so I've I've heard from other people that sometimes these virtual things where you have the I guess you do it, you can do it on Zoom or some group 
Yep. Uh, and, and, and in some cases, people have said they get more people showing up online than would probably show up in a bookstore. In a bookstore, right. Exactly. So I've had like full houses. <laughs> and also people from all over the world show up. Um, so that is also, you know, in different time zones as well. Uh, and people who wouldn't be able to fly to Northampton, Massachusetts sure. to come to the bookstore can um, come and hear the reading or or see the conversation and then they can ask questions because there's a chat um and i can answer so uh and like i said if if um people come i i think there was one in new hampshire that i did that i also signed books for and they sent people signed copies so, um, yeah. Well, just tell us a little bit about the novel, because one of the things I was noticing a pattern when you were talking about what you've been reading with the uh, with the um, Chakraborty and the, the Quang and the uh, Daniel Jose Older. All these are fantasies that draw on essentially non-Western tradition. Yeah. yeah. And so does yours. Right. Right. Um, so, well, mine, uh, I um, I'm an Afrofuturist. Um, and so, and I'm indeed with like indigenous futurists. So I'm, I'm really interested in the, you know, the philosophy and the cultural practices, um, that, um, I have studied, you know, about Africa, the diaspora and indigenous, uh, cultures in the Americas. Um, so I used, um, those, um, that research that I've been doing for many, many years to create uh, a secondary world. So, and in this world, there's a poison desert that's blowing across uh, uh, the Artesian Empire, and people want to deny it and do nothing. Um, but, you know, it's a void storm. There's a lot of death. Things are getting worse and worse. And one of the main characters, Jola, is an advisor to the emperor, and he's trying to save the land, the people, the weeds, the wild things. Um, and Awa, um, who is uh, a friend to bees and crows and wild dogs, um, she's trying to become, uh, well, she's trying to get um, the story power she needs to conjure the world she wants. She's mm-hmm. trying to become a griot. Um, and so, and she's actually not trying to save the world. She's trying to become griot. But both of them end up um, making, you know, well, they make sacrifices in order to figure out how to get people to listen to them about what's going on in the world and about the things that are causing the poison desert. Um, to like devastate this this empire. Well, just just so, listening to you describe the uh, the poison desert uh, encroaching on the world, does this? It sounds to me like this novel might turn out to be a lot more pertinent than you might have thought it would be in the summer of 2020. I didn't. I started this book five years ago, yeah. um, so I was distressed about the Mississippi Delta getting swallowed up also, um, by the Gulf. Uh, I was distressed about the bees, um, you know, dying. Um, and so that's, you know, but that, you know, that seemed actually, okay, this is really bad. But everything that has happened since I started the book has just compounded on, you know, worse, yeah. worse. As I was writing, like, oh, my God, Andrew, are you bringing on worse things by writing this <laughs> book? Um, so, uh, and uh, just yesterday, um, the fires in California, you know, and the West Coast, they, you know, they had outlawed indigenous practices of, you know, doing control fires. Uh-huh. So as, you know, which had been going on for centuries before the Europeans came. And now they're thinking, ah, we should go back into that knowledge. 
you know, the same thing happened in Australia uh, in terms yeah. of, of, you know, understanding, um, you know, indigenous science, you know, because those seem like, you know, oh, you can't say that. Whereas, you know, people assume that all knowledge that the indigenous people have is superstition. Um, and if it was all, quote, bad, superstitious stupidness, uh-huh. these people would have died out. Right. Exactly. So, no, 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 no. They actually can, you know, they know a whole lot about their world and how to survive in it. But you don't know because you just got here. Exactly. Um, uh, so that's part of the stuff that I'm dealing with in the book that, you know, um, and, and that knowledge can be in a song, in a story, uh, frequently, you know, in a song, in a story. Um, and it is, if it doesn't work, you know, if, if you don't know how to plant the crops right to survive, your story won't last. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. So a lot of and or even some of the theatrical traditions that I know are really about maintaining your relationship to the cosmos, uh, <laughs> which is survival. Exactly. Not right. So, uh, but you know, we have, uh, you know, an empire notion of knowledge that, you know, the empire's knowledge is is the knowledge and all those who've been colonized, their knowledge is, well, they didn't win the war, so their knowledge isn't valuable. Um, and that is something I'm also doing in the book that some people have tried to save some of the knowledge. Well, it's um, the whole point of being a griot, isn't it? To... Right, exactly. So you know the stories and you can tell those stories. Um, and, um, and that the storyteller is very important because you are the carrier of the collective knowledge and wisdom of, you know, your groups. So, so that's also what I'm working on in this book. Um, so, yeah. Well, it's great. Uh, we, we, of course we ran over our time. That's, that's, uh, okay. That's part of the fun. <laughs> but, uh, again, uh, the, so, the, so that is Master of Poisons. It's just out. Uh, yeah. This has been a Cood Street podcast. I've been delighted to talk to um, Andrea Hairston. And thank you so much, Andrea, for being with us. Okay. And come on. I'm clicking on the stop recording thing, and it's... Oh, oh. Why is it not stopping? The red button? Uh, Yeah, it's the red button, and it's not responding. Okay, this is... Well, Jonathan can cut off the end of this when he gets it. Okay, I literally don't know what's going on here. Huh. I I don't have a... I don't see a button for record on mine other than your red button at the top.